Welcome back to Talking Supercoach with Stradian Oz, the year 2015. We've managed to get our way through three or four years uh, recently, and now we're starting to get back into the the years that I'm struggling to remember, to be honest. But hopefully over the course of uh, this podcast, we can take you through and help you reminisce on a number of the exciting things that happened in 2015, some of our frustrations, how we went, um, and all the good usual segments. Uh, Streety, how's, uh, how's this week been for you, mate, before we get into things? What's, what's the latest in your world? Uh, not a lot, mate. Um, g'day, every uh, listener as well. Uh, yeah, not much, mate. Just um, ISO life, really. It's uh, getting pretty used to it. I'm uh, actually enjoying the working from home part of it. Um, and yeah, I suppose apart from the weekends, it'd be nice to get out and about. But yeah, overall, pretty pretty good considering it's been uh, this is week six of uh, ISO. Yeah, it's uh, t- when someone mentioned that to me this week that it had been six weeks, I actually couldn't believe it. But anyway, I guess uh, you sort of get into a bit of a routine and time disappears from you. Um, 2015, mate. 2015. I'm I'm pretty excited about this pod, to be honest. I'm I'm quite keen you to get are, into our I results. Can tell you've been excited. You've been talking about it all week, so a little bit nervous. Uh, <laughs> I believe I believe it's three two at the moment. So it sounds like I don't know. Preemptive. It sounds like we could be uh, level. It could be level pegging in oh. uh, about ten seconds time. It all. Um, I, so the fact that you've given yourself a point for this year is still. Pisses me off. But let's, uh, so 2015, before we jump into how we went, 2015 was obviously uh, a year that the Hawks uh, got the flag, beating the West Coast Eagles in the granny. It was part of their their sort of dominant period there where uh, yet again Hawthorne uh, came out on top. Um, top two on the ladder was actually free on West Coast in 2015, which is pretty ridiculous. So those uh, the teams over in the West had a, a good run. Our boys, uh, the D's and the Saints, mate, were traditionally useless uh, as expected. Seven, seven wins for you six wins for us so we were hopeless um yeah, that was pretty good for Melbourne yeah that, that was about as good as it got hey I probably should have pumped that up a bit more um must have been one uh one Paul Roos got the got the job done then yep yeah no that must have been must have been I, I remember winning a ton of cash on Sewell Rioli in the Norm Smith and there was a whole bunch of us that jumped on him so that was a good outcome and uh my boy Fifey came home with a brown low but Fun fact, after 14 rounds, he already had 29 votes. So he's averaging more than two more than two votes a round. Yeah, right. Actually, five, I think Fife has the record for the most threes. I think 24% of his games, he polls uh, three votes, which is out of control. That is ridiculous. That's one in every four, mate. Ah, thanks. Cool. Thanks for breaking that down. Um, and uh, Josh Kennedy got the Coleman medal, which makes sense because West Coast were uh, such a powerhouse through the year. But um, to be honest, we don't care about all that stuff. Um, the, the priority is uh, how'd you go, mate? Where'd you finish up? Uh, 2015 was – it actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was when I um, yeah, was remembering the year. I came 1,753rd for the year. Uh, you're not gonna. You don't want to extrapolate. You don't want to. No. Nah. Uh, no, it's pretty pretty consistent. Started the horrendously, so my starting team must have been rubbish. Uh, I was about ten and a half thousandth after round eight. Did well in the buys, which I normally do, just because I study it so much. Uh, and then yeah, finished uh, one thousand seven hundred fifty third with I think one trade in the last five rounds. So must have run out of those pretty early too. And uh, yeah, that was me. What about you, mate? Uh, well, I, I got you. I got you. Um, I got you quite comfortably, to be honest. This was a good year for me. I, I came home in five hundred and thirteenth um, this year, so things went relatively smoothly. Much like yourself, and it's interesting. We will obviously talk about this more on future pods, but back in the day, and we're getting sort of far enough back now when you really could capitalise on things like the buys. So buy structure and taking advantage of that strategic sort of period of time was something that people that paid attention to Supercoach really cashed in on. So much the same as yourself, absolutely killed it through the buyers to to get up into the top 1,000 from that point and uh, was in there for the rest of the way, to be honest, mate. So it was a, it was a pretty good year. There you go. Um, to start, I mean, firstly, don't get me started on that. Uh, <laughs> the content available now to make any Tom, Dick or Harry okay at Supercoach uh, annoys the shit out of me. But, you know, that's neither here nor there for now. But uh, yeah, What do you mean it's neither here nor there for that. now? You're part of the problem. What do you mean? <laughs> what are we doing right now, mate? Yeah, I, I suggested Josh Dunkley. I give terrible advice. <laughs> <laughs> He's actively trying to bring people down. Okay, yeah. no, fair enough. No, good pick. Um, yeah, 
that's uh, you got the chocolates, mate. So it's three all. Okay, righto. Uh, please, footy, hurry back. Let's get stuck into 2015. So you obviously came 500 and whatever you said before, mate, which is a which is a pretty decent effort. You obviously you'll have a few a uh, few storylines in the year or, or things you remember. So uh, why don't you kick us off with uh, some of your good news stories or no, bad news stories for, for 2015? Yeah, happy to, mate. I um, I think we probably turn this into a two or three hour pod, to be honest, um, with the knowledge that I actually oh, did half right, decent. So, well, <laughs> considering how we've gone the last few years, it's about as good as it gets. Um, by far the best score out of either of us in the last five years yeah which is a concern but anyway um so 2015 2015 was a year where and um, we'll get into it throughout the podcast but there was a lot of drop off from premiums coming into the year um like at, we'll, we'll work through those in time but we're i'm sure you you were in a similar boat where your starting team very quickly morphed uh and actually looked extremely different and i know looking back on on my team i actually didn't make a trade in the last four rounds so um i think all of that chat from earlier on about the fact that trades were trades were you know not necessarily required later on for the carnage this was one where there was and I might start I might start at the very tippy top um, I was going to try and get through without mentioning him but Tommy Rockliffe right Tommy Rockliffe came off one of the greatest seasons ever uh, and he ruined everyone Gary Ablett as well was uh, was injured in round two and so off the back of those outcomes, it really threw the season into chaos. And I actually think it was awesome. I think it was a great thing that happened because it meant that majority of teams came in with two midfielders that had averaged over 130 the year before. I I was one of them, much like everybody else. Um, and instantly, well, by round five anyway, those had to be changed. So that was a big one. I started with Todd Goldstein. That certainly helped me out. He obviously went on to average 128, didn't miss a game, um, was unbelievable. And for those that remember, I think this year actually was one where North, might, they might have even been 10-0 and 0 or something after the first 10 rounds. They absolutely jumped out of the block. So Didn't win another game. Yeah, and then absolutely hit the crap. Um, and we've already touched on Nathan Fife, who was the second top scorer. He uh, he was something else as well throughout this uh, throughout this period. But um, actually, um, just want to quickly touch on the, the bit about Ablett and Rocky. So I've got like to start the season, Gary Ablett was seven hundred thirty-seven thousand, um, and Tom Rockley for seven hundred twelve thousand. Like that's their big spend. So this year, I think you know Jack McRae was the most expensive player, six seventy-five. Um, and you could get, you know, the gun mids in your team for, you know, that's 620, 630. We're talking two players that cost over 700K. And I know Gary Ablett was ridiculously popular uh, because, he, you know, he does it year on, year out at that point. Tom Rockcliffe was uh, a bit more, you know, sort of there are worse some teams that didn't go in with him. I definitely did. Love, Rock, love Tom. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. I think Tom getting injured was, well, he got injured round one. Um, which wasn't great. But, yeah, Gaz going down six rounds in, I actually enjoyed as well because he was just the perma-captain too. So he goes down. Um, not only does everyone have to trade him, some people have to pick different captains as well. So, yeah, that's what I like because um, it makes it a bit more interesting. Yeah, completely agree. And that was where – so there, there was a bit of chaos, obviously, early. And to be honest, there was a ton of underperforming players. It'll be very interesting to hear what you have to say when we get to our worst ons because um, I, I was I was fortunate. Again, I, I had Robbie Gray and Brett Toledio in my team as stalwarts. We, we probably shouldn't talk about Robbie Gray with, with you around, but they performed well for me. But proven champions, the likes of Jimmy Bartell – Lance Franklin, Rory Sloan, Michael Barlow, Joel Selwood, still side bottom. They all dropped away from being 100, 110 plus scorers and actually decreased their averages by by 10 plus throughout this season. So, and we really only, when you looked at the end scorers, there was only four that averaged more than 115 and Ablett only played six games. So you sort of take him out of things as well. It really was a year where there wasn't those, um, that plethora of really high scoring players and a lot of people's starting teams made it very, very challenging for them moving forward. I actually prefer that um, to some like this year because, well, and you know, this year I guess remains to be seen what they do, but last year it seemed there was a, just a clear-cut top six to eight midfielders, so everyone would try and get them, whereas this year it looks like you know you pretty much throw a, a blanket over 
you know, a Dan Hanabry who was the sixth highest averaging player at 114, all the way down to a you know Adam Trelaw at 107. Um, uh, he was what the 20th highest averaging player. So it just you know it had it meant that people would have different players in their team, which I enjoy as well. You uh, you skipped over the 12th highest scoring player of uh, of 2015, mate. Uh, David Mundy had a pretty good year. That blows my mind. The fact Robbie Gray and David Mundy had good years. <laughs> uh, yeah. I deliberately didn't put them in my notes here. Yes, it's quite funny. Um, look, it was also the uh, the last year of the vest, and all super coach players everywhere they probably hear the word the vest and they start to shiver because it was the worst thing about playing fantasy football because you were never quite sure what it was going to mean. They hadn't quite got rules right. I don't think about um, coverage and percentage game time and all that sort of thing. And you mentioned last week in our uh, pump up of Boomer Harvey, the fact that he'd actually copped the vest once for you as a premium forward. But I know there was another player you're pretty keen to uh, to highlight that had that happened to him in 2015, mate. Well, mate, I actually, just on Boomer, I actually only thought it was once because he was in my team as a premium. Uh, he actually got it twice. He got the goddamn vest twice. <laughs> um, he still averaged 90 for the year, but this guy, he got the vest, that, that bloody vest. He thought... If there was something worse than your, your rookie getting the vest, it was definitely one of your so-called premiums getting the vest. So, uh, Boomer got it in round 15. He uh, started as the sub, came on and scored 39 in you know, a quarter done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then against Richmond, he started as the sub as well on in quarter three and got 27. So, that hurts a lot. Um, and the other player that got the vest, and this is probably why this guy left the Sydney Swans, Tom Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, Tom Mitchell averaged 104 for the year as a forward, so he was a really good pick. I had him. Uh, but he copped the vest a couple of times as well. He started as the sub in round 17 against the Eagles and got 36. And just going into that, so his last month going into that was uh, 105, 109, 84. So gunning it and then gets subbed. I mean, fair dinkum. Uh, and then he got subbed uh, subbed off in the game as well for, for 50. But, yeah, I mean, that, that thing just sucked. That's I had I had actually completely forgotten that I I also was riding the Titch bandwagon at this point and I remember that happening. He was like and obviously he's gone on to prove himself as one of the greatest ball magnets in the history of the game. But the fact that he was able to earn so much of the footy in such little game time back at the Swannies, it was ridiculous to put him as a vest player. Like he's not your impact player. He's not the type of player that's going to come in and have. 10 possessions and kick three. Like, Boomer, at least there was some logic there. I kind of got it. He was old and an impact style player. That titch thing ticked me off to no end. That was ridiculous. I think it just you know, shows that the horse didn't like him. Oh, yeah. You know, there were some things in his game that he, he didn't appreciate. And, uh, yeah, well, I guess uh, Titch got the last laugh as he's now won a brown at the Hawthorne Football Club. One um, one mistake that I did definitely make, um, and, um, I, you know, if I'm going to pump up how well I did this year, I've got to admit to a fault that I made. I actually started Garrick Ibbotson. Remember him? Yeah, I do remember him. Um, he came uh, off He came off averaging 94 in 2013 and then he had a really injury plagued year in 2014 and so he only averaged about 60 or something and I started him thinking you know cheap uh, cheap sort of um, semi premium if he gets up to sort of 90 as a defender happy days only averaged 80 and he was stuck in my team all year so he was he was my weak link throughout the season but he was a strange one I just looking back on it I was like Garrick Ibbotson there's a name I haven't thought about in a little while yeah right that's uh yeah that is a strange one I um I got a couple for, for the year and it wasn't a great year. I've got um so my my starting team I decided to skip Dusty. Uh just as a bit of a pod move. Um but I started Jimmy Bartel instead. So you know, yeah. it definitely didn't work out because Jimmy went ninety, got concussed, missed a game, and then he got a five in round three Oof. and got injured in the next six weeks. Uh and Dusty gunned it in that time. So yeah, that one hurt. And I think it's actually interesting. I had a, had a few old players in my team in, in 2015. I think, you know, obviously since then I've made a rule about those types of players. But the player Pavlich was in my team in 2015. Ooh. Stevie J was in my team in 2015. Uh, and then Jimmy as well. And they all averaged below 90. Um, so, yeah, I think it goes to show that it's probably best just to stay away um, yeah. from those older players unless they've shown for 
a lot of the season already that they can um, maintain a, a decent average. I know um, I know how much you like a good old-fashioned quiz, mate, and I've avoided mentioning uh, anything to do with quizzing so far in this pod, but if you haven't listened to it, go back and check out the bonus quiz that we threw out uh, earlier in the week because, needless to say, I didn't quite perform as well as I would have liked, but that's neither here nor there. So I thought I've got a couple of I've got a couple of questions that I'll throw out here from the 2015 season, mate. I'm intrigued to see where you where you, whether or not you can wrap your head around these. Which uh, which player came out um, and punched out 120 in round one in his first ever game of AFL football? He then did the interview after the game, got a huge pump up. It was in prime time. He was playing for in the the season opener, and I know I because you know a lot of Supercoach uh, players plonked him on their bench as a uh, cheapo. Cameron McIntosh. Camden McIntosh. Remember remember that when he came out in his first ever game and was just a running machine. He turned out 120, and I don't think he's got near that for his career. I don't think he got 120 combined for the rest of the season. Legitimately. Yeah, but he found his way in everyone's supercoach team because that happens. All right, I've got another one for you. I'll, uh, I'll keep throwing quizzes at you because I know you fancy yourself. What was uh, What premium defender or current day premium defender exploded? In 20, 2015, he he was playing his third season, or at least his third season where he's playing games. He's coming off two years of averaging in the mid sixties, and from this year forward, he has been an absolute staple in our defence for all super coaches out there. Um, that is interstate hard. interstate team, uh, and a staple in our defence. Absolute staple to this day. Oh, so Rory Laird. Rory Laird. Rory Laird came out and went bang with ninety four, and uh, I don't know if it was technically his third season. He's still relatively young, so I'd assume it must have been his third year on the list. But he'd averaged sixty for a couple of years, and so a star was born in twenty fifteen, which I, I found fascinating because I, I actually didn't think he he was that good that early, but clearly he was. He definitely wasn't in my team in twenty fifteen. I've got one. I've got a star that was born as well, and Ooh. I traded him in uh, round two. Actually, I believe I went Rockcliffe out. This guy in. Uh, he started the season with a one twenty six against the Eagles. X Factor. I traded him in. He got a one forty two against the Tigers. The MCG best Ooh. on. Ooh. And then uh, average. What he average for the year? Average one hundred three for the year. Um, after that Tigers game, eighty two ninety eight one thirteen. Uh, is now a absolute gun um, premium player that was in that 600k bracket this year. What what, what what position are we looking at? Midfield. He was available as a forward this particular year, but midfield oh, now. Paddy D. No, mate. Oh no! Don't know who you got. Marcus Bontempelli. Oh, the Bonts. And a second year player. The you know, this, I'm, a, I'm a bloody good judge of talent because um, <laughs> I traded him in round just you know after one game. But the Bond in his second season averaged 103 as a forward, so he would have easily been that probably top six forwards. Um, and just a, a, a gun. Gee whiz, the I'd forgotten that the Bond was listed as a forward early days. That's why I didn't I didn't even think of him then. That's very interesting. Last one, last one from a, a quiz perspective, and then I, I want to just spend a little bit of time talking about a few of these premiums that drop off, that dropped off. Sorry, just to give some context. But um, player in 2015 who churned out an average of 102, he including scores of 146, 140, 139, 124, 120, and he's played two games of football since. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, is he still active player? He is. Wow, well, you could argue he is. His career is technically not over, but I don't think he is officially on an AFL list right now. Right. He uh, he should be, like, based on what we heard before... Uh, Ali, Ali Benel. There we go. I was going to say, before all of this took over, I thought he might have actually made his way onto your mob. But this yep. Harley Benel was averaged 102. He still had injury issues. I think he only played 16 or 17 games. But that was when uh, we really thought this, this guy could be anything. And it really hasn't turned out all that well for Harley since, to be honest. 
Yeah, that's, uh, I believe I think he's maybe training with the D's or something. Um, but yeah, poor guy. Two games since then. That's uh, that's crazy. That's pretty stiff. Pretty stiff. I just want to start, like and to to stress some of the carnage that happened in uh, in 2015. Let me take you through some players that were really common selections that really let people down. I'm going to try and omit a couple because I'll spend some time talking about them in my worst ons. But uh, our our boy uh, Hibbard. Uh, Michael Hibbard, he uh, went from 91 down to 82, so that was no good. The guy that sucks us in every single year, Brody Smith, mate, he went down from 93 to 77, which was painful. Um, you've already touched on Jimmy B. He had a he had a rough one. Um, your boy Buddy down to 87. Do you remember what happened there? He had a terrible year. Uh, I, I don't. He would have been in my team. Um, so yeah, that's that's not great at all. Not ideal. Rory Sloan from 115 down to 105. Mickey Barlow, 112 down to 94. Joel Selwood down to 105 from 120. And then Steel Sidebottom, this was uh, without beams in the team anymore, went from 113 to 104. It was, it was a year where a lot of those low teens um, primos that a lot of people jumped on for very valid reasons and they weren't old, had everything sort of looking like they would excel yet again, underperformed. And yet again, it is making me realise if I was to have my time again in 2020, I don't think I would worry about going as heavy on these seven or eight top guns that we felt like we had to get in because it does change. It changes every year. So, um, yeah, that's really interesting. One player that didn't, I uh, was just because you mentioned Buddy and I was thinking back to yesteryear, Dane Swan was still playing in 2015. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, he had 21 games and averaged 106. Um, right. So he actually increased his average by 20 because the year before he only averaged 86. There you um, go. So there you go, Swanee. And then he only played one game, one more game in his career. Uh, after that 2015 season, far out. There's a there's a number of other players that I'm keen to to chat through, but I, I reckon maybe we hold off and I'll I'll mention them because they are going to get a mention a little bit later on in uh, in the podcast. Is there any other storylines or little tidbits from the 2015 season that are jumping out at you, mate? I just got one, mate. I think 2015 we had the uh, I guess bonus game that was the Supercoach Cup. That's right. You know, Supercoach, if anyone who works for Herald Sun or Champion Data or whatever is listening, then please bring that back because that was great. That was the best. Um, and I, was, I wasn't I was going that great during the season, especially halfway through the season. I sort of did all right in the end. But Supercoach Cup was what I was playing for. And I was actually in Japan when I got knocked out um, in Kyoto. I still remember the exact game and moment. Um, I got knocked out because my opponent had Josh Gibson and Luke Hodge and they combined for 196 in the last <laughs> game on a Sunday. Um, sorry, 296. <laughs> 296. Oh, man. They managed to get sub-230 combined, which, you know, two defenders. You'd think you're pretty safe. 296, Hodgie banged out a 165 and uh, Gibson 130, and I got knocked out of Supercoach Cup. Is that the best score yeah. Josh Gibson ever had? That's... Uh, probably the biggest score for either of them. So um, I was I was pretty cut. I still vividly remember it where I was uh, and everything about it. And that was I don't think Supercoach Cup has uh, existed since then. So that's that's my last memory of it. That that hurts, mate. That hurts. I I recall the Supercoach Cup very very well as well. We'll we'll get back to a few more stories from that in upcoming podcasts, but. That is a uh, that is a brutal way to exit the cup. It's worth highlighting uh, Hodgie just while you mention him. This was a year that he did churn out just a lazy 111. Um, I can't remember if he was listed as a defender in 2015. He was, was he? Yeah, there you go. And that's that's something else for a, a you know club champion coming off a couple of uh, premierships to back it up and go bang with 111. He was exceptional. And uh, even though he went that well, clearly you don't have fond memories of what he did to you, my friend. Uh, not, not at all, mate. Not at all. There you go. Well, maybe we'll jump into our uh, our regular segments and let's unveil who wins and loses, I suppose. Uh, the best on and the Brownlow for the year. So we already mentioned that uh, Fife uh, came home with the Brownlow in 2015, although it was actually relatively close in the end. He was on 29 votes and would have had it won by round 14 if he hadn't played again. Um, but 
to be honest, I'd be very surprised if Nat came home with the true prize, which is, of course, the Talking Supercoach with Streety and Oz Brownlow for 2015. Um, Streety, you uh, you want to jump in? You Actually, before we do that, I should stress that uh, due to my failed efforts midweek in the quiz, I did not have the ability to, uh, to break a tie this week, and we will have to negotiate slash debate should we get to that. But... Um, Let's uh, let's get your votes, mate, and see where we're at. Maybe uh, maybe eventually we'll come to a consensus on this. Um, all right, best on for 2015. I go through this one pretty slowly because I reckon I'll bang on about the uh, worst times for a little bit longer. Um, Heath Shaw, I've given one vote. So Heath uh, averaged a whopping 112 Supercoach in 2015. Uh, 22 games for the GWS Giants. He was coming off uh, 92 in 2014. So you know, he would have been sub 500k and then banged out a, a 112 average as defender, which is crazy. Uh, two votes I've given, uh, given to Todd Goldstein. Um, he was sort of the, like, now we're used to it because we've got Gorn and Grundy running around every week, churning out massive scores, and you're averaging 130 for the season. But Todd was a. Uh, you know, in the last 10 years or so, probably, you know, one of the first, the first Ruckman that did that. Um, and yeah, averaged 128 for this season and got a massive 200 and something against Essendon in a Friday night at Docklands late in the year. But yeah, Goldstein was a, if you didn't have him, you were, uh, you were bleeding points in the Ruck. Um, and my three votes goes to someone we've already mentioned uh, because it was his last, well, his last proper year, his last full season. Most people thought he was done. And then he came out and was the probably the second or third highest averaging forward. Uh, Dane Swan, uh, 106 Supercoach of the Year as a 33 or whatever old year old. Um, and I was a massive Dane Swan fan and he was in my team. And he gets my three votes. I, yeah, I really like it. I don't have anything really to say against any of those uh, those deliveries. I what the fact Swanee was listed as a forward in 2015 is not something we've talked about, but that was just a gift. Particularly when he was underpriced, he was just on a platter, nice and cheap, forward line, safe bet. So no, I yeah, hear you. I like most, it. Uh, most people would have been uh, you know putting the red line through him uh, at that point because he was you know only average ninety four and then or eighty six actually. So. You know, a 20 point increase in average uh, proved them all wrong. So, yeah, good on you, Swanee. Swanee joins, uh, joins Paddy Dangerfield as uh, one of the very, very few real Brownlow medalists to rack up three votes in our Brownlow from anyone. So, interesting. Now, I will jump into my votes. I'm actually going to give, well, we've already talked about it, but honorable mention to Swanee because he's, he's not in my votes. But I thought long and hard about it. The reason he didn't make my votes in the end, at the end of the day, was he was such a popular selection. Now I know you're saying you think he was done, but I recall that absolutely everyone I was talking to had Swanee in their team. Um, the fact he was a forward and had the history that he had sort of meant to me that his his numbers, whilst impressive, were not as impactful as I would have liked. Um, I'm going to give one more honourable mention, and you'll deal with it, Straighty. But Paddy Cripps, Paddy Cripps churned out an average of 96 this year after coming off his first three games the year before where he averaged 40. So this was where Cripps really, in his fourth game onwards of football, averaged 96, which I I just think is ridiculous. You're very unlikely to see anything like that ever again. When you consider Sam Walsh this year, um, not too dissimilar and was still in the low 80s, oh, mid-80s, sorry. But my votes for one vote, I'm going to give it to Adam Saad. He, first year, 102K rookie, and he came out and averaged 78 and didn't miss a game. And just can't ask for anything more. He was obviously listed as a defender as well. So that is, he averaged more than Brody Smith on the year from a 102K basement price rookie. You can't really ask for much more than that. So uh, I was pretty stoked with him. Um, two votes. I've given that to Heater, to Heath Shaw. He's uh, he, all the reasons you outlined. 
going from 92 up to 112. He played every week. He had a string of uh, his final from round 11 onwards. His lowest score was 96. So he was he had a year and a half heater, and it was underappreciated at the time. So he's getting his just desserts now. But I can confirm the winner of the 2015 Talking Supercoach Treaty and Oz Brownlow is Todd Goldstein. I, as we touched on, I started him as well. That, that's, is this the first one? No, we Walshy, yeah, Sam Walsh, maybe. No, I'm not sure, but can't yeah. remember. Oh, the, all the reasons you outlined. Let me just write, like he had one score below 92 on the year, and. I double-checked this because when I saw it, I assumed it was an error. Do you know in round 12 against GWS, he had 80 hit-outs? 80. That's pretty good. That's 80 points. Like, even if he doesn't put it down someone's throat. he have, And from rounds 9 to 19, he averaged 151 in 2015. So... You can't really argue anything against him. As you touched on, we've we've been spoilt in recent years by the uh, Gorn and Grundy combo, but the original Ruckman that started with G that sort of started it all was big Toddy Goldstein. So, um, yeah, thoughts on that, mate? We've come to a consensus. I'm stunned. No, I don't know what to say. Normally we sit here and argue for another five minutes, so it might be a shorter pod. Uh, no, he, he deserves it. It was a phenomenal year. Well done, Todd. You join Cade Simpson, Paddy Dangerfield, Sam Doherty, James Sicily, and Sam Walsh. A lot of there's a lot of Carlton there as winners of the Talking Supercoach Brownlow Medal. So now it's time for the segment I know we prefer uh, because it's good fun giving someone a bake from yesteryear um, because I'm sure we all vividly remember what happened. So, uh, Oz, if you want to kick us off with your worst on for 2015. Yeah, happy to, mate. And you're right. This one is more fun. I I feel like everyone remembers who did well, but unveiling those that snuck under the radar and cocked it up uh, is way more enjoyable. Now, for my my one vote might be a bit controversial, but uh, hear me out here. So, I'm actually going to give one vote to Isaac Heaney. Now, this was Isaac Heaney's first rookie year, first year. And let me read. Yeah, listen, hear this out. Hear hear me out here. He went 96 in his first game. How good is that? That's unbelievable. Then he went 65. So after round two, if you didn't start with him, you obviously were bringing him in. He churned out a 96. So three rounds in, he's pumped out two scores of 96. And then he went and got himself injured on seven in round four. Now, I didn't start with Isaac, so I obviously traded him in. Traded him in, got 96. Then all of a sudden, next round, injured on seven. I didn't start him in round three. He was on my bench in round three, so I didn't even get that. Brought him onto the field. He scored seven, and then he was injured in round four and had to go. So, Isaac, very stiff, but deal with it. Incredibly stiff, mate. Stiff? that's, is that an honourable mention or actually... A That's one, one vote, vote, mate. That's one vote. Chalk it up right now. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. A rookie who got injured. Yep. Yep. He cost me two trades and he got me seven points in two weeks. So, yes, he's on the he's on the list, mate. That's almost as bad as uh, Scotty Lysette. Just saying. Two votes. Two votes really... And I, it does pain me, but it has to go to Rocky. Rocky going from 132, missing, he missed round two and round three. So for those that don't remember, he played the first game and then he was injured and so we I held him. And then he uh, scored, it says he scored zero, but I remember it well. He was on negatives. He scored negative four in round five as my captain. Uh, so look, Rocky... It, it does pain me because, again, there was some injury stuff there, but anytime you select a premium that plays round one and then disappears round two and three, sorry, mate, you've got to go on the list. And at the end of the day, you were 30 points less than last year. I think the uh, and the worst thing about Rocky that year was I, like many, I reckon, started him, trading him out, and then actually trading him back in. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and he got injured again. So got injured in round round one and then got injured again in round nine. So I traded him back in when he came back from his first injury and then he uh, got injured and missed another six games. So God knows how many trades and money and stuff he cost me out here. Wow. I'll be intrigued. Surely you've got him on your list then. We'll get to that. But for three votes for worst on in 2015, uh, it was pretty easy for me, to be honest. Um, this player was coming off a season of churning out 105. Um, premium defender, first year after 
venturing his way up to the Gold Coast Suns and he managed to uh, pump out 71. And that's Nick Malcheski. Nick Malcheski had uh, a couple of seasons there where he was really the go-to player for the Swans out of defence. I'm sure he's the sort of player you would have absolutely loved, Streety, with those effective left foot kicks, a lot of cheap stats around the backs, that sort of stuff. He'd averaged 105 and was traded up to the Gold Coast, thought it was the best thing for his career. There's literally no one else at the Gold Coast that I thought would even take a kick off of this bloke. And so I stayed stubborn despite the fact that his first couple of rounds were very poor. And at the end of the day, he averaged 71 for the season and Adam Saad, who was a 102k rookie, averaged 78. So... That's a big drop for a player. It's woeful. So, uh, and I was big on him, much like you. I liked, I liked watching that sort of player. So, uh, Nick Malcheski, easiest three I've given uh, yet in any of these countbacks. So, mate, over to you. You started poorly, but it was a good three and two votes. Um, all right, my three, three, two, one. So, one vote I'm going to give to Jordan Lewis. Um, so I, this is back when I had confidence playing Supercoach and I would pick a massive pod each year, uh, mainly in the midfield. So I picked Jordan to start the 2015 season as he was coming off a 110 average and he let me down. So he loved a terrible ratio, Dream Team Supercoach ratio, and I cannot stand players that have terrible ratios. Um, because you get excited, they get the ball, and then they push through it. So that's you lose points. Um, Jordan, he started the year. He started the year for 154. It was pretty up and about after that. Uh, and then went 111, 107, but then was just pretty poor for the rest of the year. Um, and a game such as, you know, 130 Dream Team for 92 Supercoach. Um, he waxed Todd Goldstein, got suspended for about a month um, at one point as well. I don't know if you remember that big hit. Um, on the wing at Docklands, but yeah, he uh, he just let me down. He averaged 103 for the year, which isn't terrible. Um, but as my pod midfielder, and I've had a lot of success in that position, as we've heard from my stable and your Joe Watsons and Matthew Boyd's of the world, uh, Jordan Lewis couldn't back it up, so he gets one vote. That is that is way worse than my one vote. He's, he's dropped his average by six points and he started the season 154, 111, 107, 92, 88, 117. At that point, after after he'd played one, two, three, after he played six games, he was averaging about 113 and you've given and him a he, vote. And he melted a bloke um, and he was just frustrating to watch. That is putrid. Putrid. My gosh, Jordan Lewis, if you're listening, I I can't I can't endorse that. You're a star. He also I, I do like Jordan, but he also had the handball in the um, prelim in 2018 that cost us a goal and you know, pretty much the next 20 goals against the West Coast Eagles. But anyway, I'm going to say that didn't cost you the match, mate. I, I reckon you were in trouble anyway, just quietly. It's probably, it's probably a fair call. Uh, two votes. I am given to the the chosen one. Um, the, I'm not sure what his stupid nicknames were, but the Prince, Aritia Lumumba, <laughs> the 2015 season. I don't know, I don't know if you remember Aritia, but he got traded to Melbourne at the start of the 2015 season and he was about 420k and he was picked by a lot of teams. Um, as sort of a, a mid-pricer and Heritier was deplorable. Like, he sucked. We traded Jeremy Howe, who's a dickhead, for this bloke and he was just woeful. He averaged 63 for the year, got subbed a few times, <laughs> got the article a few times. He was just shit. Um, and I got sucked in by the Prince, the chosen one, the guy who laughs or whatever hell he talks about himself as um, and it still makes me angry. You um is is any part of this based on the fact that uh, at work you were referred to as Heretier for an extensive amount of time? Mate, my boss still calls me that. Uh, <laughs> so yes, that does that does um come into it. Okay. Yeah, being associated with him, I'm I'm not happy with. I'm going to argue again that that's bad coaching. Picking Lumumba coming off averaging eighty. The highest highest average owned defender. Wow. Uh, we clearly don't have similar memories, but that's all right. Okay, fair enough. And who's who's got your three? Uh, my three votes goes to someone I'm pretty sure I've already put in this uh, worst on before. I've got a pretty 
just like um, just like old mate uh, Robbie Gray, we we had but he had a terrible history together. But Brody Smith gets my three votes. <laughs> Brody Smith. I, I tell you what, I traded him in round two. Actually, I think when I did Rocky down to Bont, gave me enough money to go rookie to Brody, and he was coming off a one forty four against North. Uh, he got me one seventeen round two, which is pretty good. I was pretty happy with that. And then uh, went to shit. 87, 60, 45, 73, 16, uh, and a sub. He got subbed off injured, came back and just got 60s and 50s and averaged uh, 76 for the year. And I keep getting sucked into Brody Smith and it annoys the shit out of me um, because I had him all year, once again in 2015, for an average of 76. So, Brody, once again, I'm giving you votes in the West on. Stop doing it to me. <laughs> that was that was a very good pitch. That was an impassioned plea. I thoroughly enjoyed that. And as someone that's also been sucked in by one Brody Smith many, many times, I hear you loud and clear. Look, he is good to watch though. He's bloody good to watch when he's on. When he's on is not much better to watch, to be honest. That's why I get sucked in. Um he's, just, he's never on. Are we look, it, it pretty it's pretty simple. The choice either goes do we call it a tie do we give it a lifetime achievement award to Brody Smith because he's burnt it so many times or do we honour the fact that Nick Malcheski actually dropped his average by 34 points uh, and award him solo I'm happy to throw to you on, on this mate your thoughts that's a tough one I'm tempted to go to Prince uh, <laughs> but, but he did lose so <laughs> there is no way the Prince is going <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, like, I feel... Because my, my issue with not going Brody now is we're getting early in his career and he's probably not going to win it again. And he does deserve to win a best a worst on for a season because he has been worst on that many times. But Nick Balcheski, that's one of the all-time drops mm. um, in a player's history. So I'm, I'm tempted by the tie. Yeah, I think it has to be because I'm much, much the same. I feel like Nick Malcheski has to be acknowledged as the worst player of this season. But the reality is I so badly want Brody Smith to win one of these. So, um, Ty? Let's do it. All right. Congratulations, Nick Malcheski and Brody Smith, co-winners. Well done. You join the illustrious class of Scott Lysette. Scored you two. Full game. Amazing. Goldie. Uh, wow, Goldie and Rue, that gets me every time. Jack Billings and your boy, David Mundy, as those that have uh, been worst on for an entire season. It's time to add one to the stable. Time to put another name along the ever-growing list of names that Streety has grown up loving or started to love in recent years. There's some uh, pretty awesome names that are part of this group, and uh, I, as always, am super keen to hear who the next person that is joining the the stable as part of this 2015 season. So I'm going to continue down the path of players that retired. Uh, well, actually, that's completely wrong because this player didn't retire. But he retired from being super coach relevant this year. It's <laughs> <laughs> a more important retirement. <laughs> I totally butchered that, but I like that. That was, that was good. Um, so the player I'm adding to my stable for this pod is one Stevie J mm. from the Geelong Football Club, the GWS Giants, I guess, in his last couple of years. But... Stevie and I, uh, we, we go way back. Um, I just want to, yeah, this is probably the, the, the greatest coaching decision that I've, I've made uh, in my, my career playing this game. Stevie J, I trade him in in round six of the 2012 season. I'll just read you out the scores that Stevie uh, got before I traded him in. Just, uh, you know, so he got a, he's coming off 58. 68, 56, 69, 65. I'd say uh, that's an average of 63 over five games. So, you know, most coaches would be like, oh, yeah, this guy, he's had it, he's passed it, or I'm going to trade him out. No, no. I decided to trade him in. And he banged out a 169 that week against the Melbourne Demons down at Skilled Stadium or whatever it was called, and then went on to average 110 for the rest of the year in my team. <laughs> um, and a massive average of 97 for the year. So that was uh, that was just some of the masterstroke genius moves I used to make. Don't do them anymore. Um, and you know where where my love of Stevie started really. So and this guy, this guy was a gun. So he played pure mid. Um, some years he had a 116 average one year another 107 another 107 um, and he just banged out 
big, big scores. I'm actually surprised he wasn't in that 200 plus club um, when we did the, the podcast the other day um, because, yeah, he, he just loved a monster, but would also, you know, probably follow it up for a pretty quiet game the following week, um, which meant his averages were overall pretty low. But yeah, CBJ, it was the greatest, probably just super coach trade I've ever made. Um, and I loved watching the bloke, also won a shitload of money off him in um, 2007 when he won the Norm Smith. Uh, so, yeah, Stevie J is the stable member uh, for this week. It's interesting. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm all aboard. There wasn't many players that were more fun to watch than Stevie J in his prime. It's interesting, though, because with Stevie, he obviously won the Norm Smith back in 07 when they, the Cats won their, their first flag. But the thing that sort of tainted Stevie a little bit for me was uh, the 2009 Granny, I don't know if you remember, but I think he, he'd done his knee and it was essentially like a four or six week injury and he jabbed it up to within an inch of his life so that he could play and he was just about the worst player on the ground. He had, he had like eight touches and I think his super coach was like 20 and I remember because I was obviously, I'm a Saints fan, I was obviously at the game, never being more stoked about the fact that Stevie J was playing a game of football because he could barely move and I like he was, I was so used to him, like you just said, having 20 touches, three goals and and just taking a game away from you, that, that that one day almost tarnished him for me. Granted, my memories of that day are not fond anyway, but Stevie J, about as awesome as it gets when you want to watch a footballer. Uh, yeah, completely agree, mate. I, I, wasn't, I didn't remember that game, but yeah, having a look now, he got a, he got a 20 uh, with nine touches and four frees against uh, against your mob in the grand final. Obviously, it didn't matter because they won. Um, and he actually, three weeks before that, he got a four in a game. <laughs> uh, and he played the whole game. He got um, 35 dream team for four super coach. Pretty horrendous ratio against uh, Carlton. So, yeah, as I said before, he could definitely have a mare uh, as well as those, those massive games. That shows just how good Geelong's team was back in 2009. If they could carry essentially a player that wasn't doing anything but no I like it Stevie J joins the stable uh, worthy addition and uh, now it's time for my segment and now that we have welcomed Stevie J to the stable it's time for your segment Oz Oz is off them yeah, so look, there's been a lot of chat, obviously, in recent weeks about um, how footy's going to be coming back. Uh, obviously, it'll be without fans for a period of time and the impact that that's going to have on people's enjoyment of the game. Obviously, having fans and having supporters at games uh, cheering on and showing their passion is what makes footy so awesome. But for this edition of Oz is Offham, I'm not going to focus in on super coach nor on a specific player i'm going to focus in on supporters that just yell just kick it all the time nothing ticks me off if you go to a game of football and yes there's there's supporters that yell ball or demand free kicks and all that sort of stuff that's one thing when supporters yell just kick it when someone is under pressure it actually pisses me off to no end it shows that you have no idea about football at this time 2015 was when obviously the rolling zone and the press and all that sort of thing was in full effect and all you wanted to do as a defense when you're on defense as a team is get someone to kick it long that's all you want to do so when uh, when you had fans that would boo their own team for taking a lateral kick or for switching the play and to avoid bombing it long down the line or one of uh, you know Paddy Dangerfield's trademark snaps out of packs that goes straight to the opposition and you as a, a team as a supporter of that team are endorsing that behavior and yelling kick it that used to tick me off to no end now obviously I want fans to come back it's one of the best things in the world going to the footy but nothing nothing more annoying than a diehard fan at the footy that has literally no concept about how to play the game and is living in the 80s Streety I'm completely off supporters that have no idea mate that's your that's your best one yet I tell you what and I this is your segment so I'm not going to steal it but fair dinkum if I have a pet actually I've got a couple and I would much rather go to the football by myself and have no one else <laughs> to stay in and watch the game because I hate I hate opposition fans but even more than opposition fans I hate fellow Melbourne Demons fans because they're they're idiots 
Yeah. Um, yes. The, anyone that criticizes a team for switching the ball, kicking backwards, anything like that, has no idea about football. And that's third on my list behind people that shout ball because that one just does my head in as soon as you get touched and you shout ball. I mean, um, my my uh, now wife stops coming to the football, stop coming to the football with me because I get into arguments with fellow Melbourne fans about doing that. Uh, and then play and for supporters that just have a go at the umpire no matter what um, and then yeah what, what you just touched on as well is that's in the top three because yeah I mean you've got, you've got me angry uh, which is you know you've got, that's the point of your segment because uh, yeah uh, people are dumb football fans are dumb Melbourne fans especially are dumb and I would much rather I love going to the football but I'd rather go to the football and sit there by myself uh, with no one around me because everyone is stupid I am absolutely over the moon with that reaction from you. I, I did know that that was something that really uh, sort of got on you as well. But for me specifically, I, I disagree with you going by myself because atmosphere is key, obviously, at the footy. But my God, if I run into people that yell those things, it absolutely kills me. Learn something about footy, pay attention for two seconds, and you'll know that what you're doing is being an idiot. So as uh, as we just alluded to, I am completely off. People that just yell, just kick it, they're absolutely out, gone, done. They're joining Ross Lyon, not playing on from kick-ins, key position players, Callum Mills, anyone over the age of 30 as people or things that I am completely off. And that'll just about do us, I reckon, for 2015. Um, it was a year when collectively we actually went all right, mate. Really, between the two of us, you combined our finishing scores and we were around about that 2,000 overall. Um, obviously, you contributed far more of those positions than me, so I'm pretty pleased with that. Um, but anything else you want to uh, say or talk about to sign off on uh, on 2015? Yeah, I'm just going um, to leave listeners with a quote here uh, because you know we got to reminisce about some of the players of 2015 and one Harutia is one of those. So this is a, this is his farewell speech to the uh, Collingwood Football Club fan base in the 2014 Best and Ferris. Uh, this, this is Harutia. I'm so grateful that the Collingwood Football Club has allowed me to define my character and also find my the true meaning of my true name, which is Harutia Dezebelis Luzebi Lumumba, which means the prince. The one who will have the last laugh and is gifted. Thank you. And that is all, mate. That's, that's, <laughs> what, that's what we're dealing with. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, yeah, okay. I, I'm not really, I don't really know why you wanted to share that or what you wanted to talk about, but the fact that you selected Heretia Lumumba in your team for 2015 is probably the reason that I, that I got you. To be honest, mate, that's. No, I, just uh, felt, I just felt we we should remember him. That's what we're doing here. We're reminiscing uh, about the players and uh, seasons of yesteryear, and uh, yeah, the big the big H uh, deserves a shout. <laughs> if you're out there anywhere, Heretia, feel free to hit us up. Love to have a chat. Um, all right, well, I guess uh, that'll do us. We'll be back next week looking at 2014. I'm pretty pumped about that one as well because that was when Rocky was at his very, very best. And back, uh, that was when Gadge as well was scoring mid-130s. And the further back we go with these, the more we'll get to talk about the great man. So um, that will be it from us, and we will be in your ears again next week.